Hello and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. I'm your host Marcus here yet again to talk about horror movies. So uh, before I get started I wanted to address something which is that apparently I forgot to put an episode up on the feed um, at one point during the month and it, when it should have come out because it comes out every like two weeks and I didn't intend to do that. I guess I just totally messed up when I was scheduling the release dates because technically like the last four episodes I recorded like one after the other basically and then I just went in and started in um, Anchor FM plugging in dates so I totally must have just missed a date like one of the two-week periods and just hopped to the next one so I am sorry about that I didn't mean to <laughs> this episode should hopefully come up right at the normal time slot so I guess I will be paying more attention to that in the future so the movie that we're going to be talking about today is 10 Cloverfield Lane which came out in 2016. And before I get to that, I wanted to sort of just go over um, stuff I've been watching, I think, since the last episodes, because I really recorded them a while back. Um, so I've seen a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, don't think I've mentioned any of this. I rewatched Showgirls. I watched Hogzilla. I watched a documentary about Showgirls, You Don't Know Me, uh, Xanadu, rewatched Prom Night, rewatched Hellraiser 2, um, as far as new movies, uh, Les Millions. Outbreak, Deep Impact, Summer of Sam, The Purge, Mausoleum, Perfect Bid, rewatched West Side Story, watched The Handmaid's Tale, the 1990 movie, not the TV show because I've already seen that and I've already read the book, of course. Uh, In the Mood for Love, rewatched Fright Night, and then we're here. So I have watched a whole heck of a lot of stuff, uh, but it's been a while. Uh, this is like mid-June and full July uh, watch list, basically. And uh, obviously there are some horror movies in there. I wrote notes for them, but I don't know that I'll necessarily talk about those movies uh, because I wasn't necessarily in love with any of the ones I hadn't seen before. Um, you know, Outbreak was whatever. Deep Impact was okay, which is like a movie about a, something that's going to crash land into Earth. And it's just kind of like people waiting, wondering if they'll be able to stop it beforehand. Um, the Purge is about a night when everyone can just do whatever they want. There's no law. Um, I'm sure most people know about The Purge because it was very famous and there's been multiple sequels. I just never watched it before because I didn't really feel that it seemed to speak to me. It was all right, um, but I still didn't love it in the end. Handmaid's Tale is horror in a sense. <laughs> but uh, no, that was fine. Fright Night, of course, good time. I don't love it as much as I feel like I should, but it's still a nice film. With that said, let's get into talking about uh, the storyline of... 10 Cloverfield Lane. There's been an attack. I'm not sure yet if it's chemical or nuclear. Where are we? Underneath my farmhouse. Hey. Sorry about that. What happened to your arm? Were you trying to escape? I was trying to get in. There's a woman. She wants me to let her in. You can't! What was that? Quiet. How do we get out of here? Is that how you thank me for saving your life?
So the movie starts off, we see this woman, we hear like music playing. We don't really get to hear her noises, like her talking on the phone or whatever. But she seems to be really panicked. She's scared. She leaves the house where she is. Um, only thing is she doesn't keep her ring. Her wedding ring is just sort of there on the table. So you're like, okay, this woman is leaving a relationship. Just like suddenly something has happened. She just can't, she has to get out. And she, we follow her as she sort of drives to the gas station. A car pulls up, a big truck pulls up behind her with like super bright lights. It's nighttime. She can't really tell what's going on. Either way, she gets gas. She moves on. And while she's just sort of driving on this sort of desolate area, um, a car hits her and she spirals out of control and basically goes off the road. And it seems like a really bad accident. Um, at this point, I thought it seemed like um, a car pulled one of those like um, police maneuvers on her. So either way, she wakes up in some strange place. She's got an IV in her arm. So it seems like hospital-esque, except that it's like this small brick wall room. And also, it's not a hospital because she has this thing on her leg, which is attaching her leg to the wall. She is clearly a prisoner. So she's freaked out. She tries to reach her phone to the other side of the room. She does get it. But there's no service. And so when I was watching this movie, I already knew that it takes place underground. So I was like, okay, no, she's not going to get service, obviously. And she didn't. Um, but that's really all I knew about the movie. And all this, obviously, I knew that it was a Cloverfield movie. So anyway, um, a man comes in and he is trying to, you know, gives her food. He says, like, she can't leave, whatever, whatever. But he also gives her the key to unlock the uh, leg brace thing. So she gets up and she's just trying to get out. So she does more. She like starts a fire in the room because uh, the guy also gives her um, crutches. So she whittles that away to be like something she could stab the guy with. And she stabs him, but she doesn't kill him. He doesn't kill her, obviously. He's just like, okay, I get what you're trying to do, but stop it. You can't leave, okay? Yeah, early on, you kind of uncover that what he's trying to quote unquote protect her from protect them all from is that something has happened outside and so now the air is polluted or something and you can't go out basically because it's been like a nuclear war or, or something um michelle the protagonist runs into this guy named emmett who is also in there with them in this bunker and he says he saw the attack he saw like a giant flash of light like nothing he's ever seen before he knew it was bad so you get more things like you're on one hand, you think, okay, Howard is not a great, reliable person because he's clearly a prepper, but to an extreme degree, he also is falling into conspiracy theories. He can think like, okay, there could be a war or something has happened. There also could be Martians. You know, he just doesn't seem the most reliable guy. So Emmett, on the other hand, seems like he's more reliable, and he seemed, he came there to this bunker of his own accord. Um but it's hard to be sure because Michelle, remember, she was hit by a car and it was that same truck. It's a truck. It was his truck. But the thing is, there is more stuff that sort of proves that something very horrible has happened outside because um, Michelle, in one of her attempts to run away, basically, by stealing the keys of Howard, is she goes to this sort of like this door, which she was... Uh, I don't know what you would call it. Like, kind of like an airlock. There's one door, and then there's a room, and then another door, which is to the outside. And she gets there, but um, then she's confronted with this woman who is, like, right at the door, too, on the other side, outside. 
And her face looks really messed up, like she's been burned or something. And she's like, please let me in. Um, Michelle is very, like, wanting to let this woman in, except that she also doesn't want to because she realizes, okay, maybe what Howard said was true because she looks like she's been seriously injured in some sort of accident and that could prove that there's something very bad outside. And, you know, that just becomes more apparent as this woman outside you know, shifts from being cordial and just like begging for assistance and starts slamming her head into the glass uh, window. And you're like, okay, clearly this woman wants to get in so terribly bad because something is really fucked up outside. So we don't know what, of course, we just know something is clearly wrong out there. You don't want to be outside. So Michelle just doesn't let that woman in, obviously. And then he's like, okay, I think that what Howard is saying is true to some degree that um, he knows that there was some sort of terrible incident outside and now they must all stay indoors to be alive, basically. So there's like a montage of fun and happiness. They're playing board games, whatever. Um, But it's just just hard to be 100% sure because you're still thinking, okay, he kidnapped her. Um, And I think at some point Howard does express regret and he does say, he did hit her car, though he says it was an accident um, because he heard about the incident ahead of time or something. And so he's rushing to get home and he happened to hit her. Personally, I don't believe that story. I believe he heard about the incident or some incident, but purposefully targeted her. Um, maybe, and this is just my theory because there's nothing about it in the movie really, but in my theory is he targeted her because he knew, because she's a woman and wanted to bring her back in case they would need to like restart the population or whatever. So that was my theory on that. But anyway, so that kind of ties up the ends, but it doesn't really um, as to why he took her in. But anyway, unfortunately his happiness is short lived as uh, when the like sort of air ventilator goes out, Michelle has to go through the ventilator or the pipes to get out to this area uh, that has where the, you restart the ventilator basically or the air ventilation system. And in that room, well, she does find another window and it says, and someone has scrawled help on it and there's like blood. So, you know, okay, more people were trying to get in here, but they couldn't. But also while she's there, she finds an earring. And this earring she has seen before in a photo that Howard showed of his um, daughter, Megan, who is not there anymore. And you're like, okay, uh, so... The earring is here. That means Megan was here and he must have killed her or something because there's also blood on the earring. It's not a good sign. And they, um, Michelle says this stuff to Emmett like she thinks Howard is dangerous. He killed his daughter. It's not, you know, he's not a good guy to be around. And he's got a gun. So they start preparing to like take his gun or fight back basically. And Howard discovers this plan and Emmett just takes full responsibility for this and gets shot and melted in the process via some sort of chemical agent. And so right after that, Howard is like back to normal. Hey, you know, let's go have some ice cream. Michelle's not really having it, of course. She cannot, she just feels like even if what is happening outside is true, you know, Howard's not lying and there is some sort of agent in the air that's deadly, she cannot stay there anymore. So she's been fashioning sort of a hazmat suit type thing so she can go outside. 
Unfortunately, Howard discovers this, and they tussle and fight. She throws the chemical agent stuff at him, so he's, like, in a bad place, because that stuff, like, just melts through you. And she starts putting on her suit, of course. For the most dramatic effect possible, Howard is, like, face is half-melted off, and he's still giving chase to her. And, you know, so it's difficult. And also, there's a fire, so it's very fast-paced. You gotta hurry and get out. So... Michelle actually does get outside of the building. And Howard is, you know, trapped inside. So Michelle is just out. She makes it out. She is getting ready to try to leave through one of the cars that's out there in the area. But her uh, hazmat suit rips. And she freaks out and quickly covers the hole up with some tape. And at this point, I was already like, the way this is happening, it's clear. It's this is gonna be like the village or something where she's totally fine, nothing's wrong. But that, of course, that wouldn't explain. That would not address the people outside who were dying and dead. So um, I knew that wasn't right, but that's what I was feeling at that moment. So she just after that, she looks up and sees birds flying, and so she knows the air is fine. So she takes off her mask, and all is well. She does not like spontaneously combust or anything. And then she turns and looks out in the sky and she sees some sort of like giant plane sort of in the distance. And at this point, I was like, is that like a plane or is that an alien spacecraft? Because it looks weird. It doesn't have a normal plane profile or a helicopter profile or whatever. And because this is a Cloverfield movie, it is an alien, which she sees when the sort of area where she's been in the bunker sort of blows up because it's been on fire. And the silhouette of the ship or whatever turns in very natural sort of way not a plain way and as it comes closer you see there's like tendrils and stuff it is not a regular plane <laughs> so she freaks out and basically comes face to face with both a little on-ground alien that's got like a sucker face and the gigantic ship slash alien just coming for her as well she tries to get in the car and escape but the giant ship alien just picks her up and is getting ready to eat her with its like big vaginal mouth. And Michelle's not having any of it. She manages to find the sort of bottle of booze that she brought with her. And also a little Zippo lighter. And throws them all top cocktail into the monster's mouth. It just explodes, I guess. So she has killed it easily, I suppose. And she gets out. She starts driving. She's just like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm driving. But then in the car, she picks up a radio signal where it's like some people talking and saying that, you know, there is a safe zone north, up north. You can go and stay there away from aliens, I guess. But there's also a hospital and there's a place where people are gearing up to treat the wounded or also fight against the aliens. And at this point, she chooses the path to be a part of humanity who is going to fight and save everyone. And that's how the movie ends. So when looking up this movie online, it seems that a lot of people really disliked the ending of the film. Um, some people were apparently confused by it. I thought it made no sense. And I don't see why that's the case because it is clearly from the get-go, you know that something, well, you don't know. But from the get-go, you're being told that something has happened outside. And then you see examples of something very bad has happened outside with sort of that woman who is 
like messed up and desperately trying to get in, willing to basically kill herself to get in. And um, as well as Emmett, who said he saw like some really weird flashes of light, which were like unlike anything he'd ever seen before, which seemed like the attack, right? So it's clear that at some point in the movie, it becomes clear that yes, something big happened. You just don't know what. You could, you know, it could be a foreign government military strike. But yes, it could also be aliens. Why not? And if you came to a movie called 10 Cloverfield Lane, I would hope that you would know the Cloverfield movie lineage is about alien movies. They're alien movies. Um, I mean, maybe not because 10 Cloverfield Lane came out a long time after the first Cloverfield did. And uh, first Cloverfield came out in 2008, I believe. But still, I... And I don't know what the trailers were like. Maybe they didn't show clips of like total spoiler clips of aliens. I don't know what they showed, but it's just like it's not nonsensical. It makes sense. Yes, the aliens have some sort of spray where they could just quickly kill off a bunch of people, and also now they're just sort of prowling and killing people as they see. What's so weird about that? It, nothing. <laughs> but I do get the fact that it's kind of like an. It could be annoying in a way because it's like, okay, this movie was relatively grounded and serious throughout. And then it's just like suddenly a Hollywood blockbuster with giant alien and, you know, CG everywhere. And I admit, I don't love that. But I did come in expecting an alien, so I was fine with the alien being there. I mean, I do have to wonder if there was something social, uh, uh, social commentary about this film, like the original Cloverfield, which I saw only maybe last year or the year before. I knew nothing really except that it was about a monster. And when I saw it, I was kind of really shocked by how many illusions and sort of attempts it gave to reference 9-11, the September 11th attacks. I was very shocked by that, but I thought it worked very well because so much of that movie is just about terror of being attacked and not understanding from who or from where or when. And then the monsters only showed a lot later in the movie after you've already dealt with like sort of that terror for so long. Um, so this movie is certainly not the same. I guess it somewhat feels like a movie. It is a movie about abuse in some capacity because it, you know, as Michelle talks about in the film, she was somewhat abused by her father. And in the movie, she is somewhat abused by Howard. I don't know I'm saying somewhat. I guess it's just like a specific type of abuse, not like sexual abuse, but physical abuse, mental uh, abuse, whatever. Because he just is is like, I'm doing this for your own good. Everyone is gone. He doesn't necessarily know that everyone is gone, but he believes it. So he just enforces on her. No, her like, husband's dead, whatever. Everyone's gone. Your family's dead. You can't talk to them. There's no way. And he goes from acting like a really nice guy to being like flipping off the handle so quickly you know, like one time she touches Emmett's hand just so briefly and he flips out on her, throws her against the wall because she is just like breaking the rules that he has set for them all because you can't touch each other. Um, so it definitely feels like Howard is very abusive in some capacity that maybe that's why his family left him. Who knows? Maybe they just couldn't deal with his paranoia. I don't know, but he's definitely a flawed character intentionally so. But the thing about the touching reminds me, I watched this movie because I saw that 
the Faculty of Horror was doing a podcast episode on it for their quarantine series. And uh, I was like, okay, I definitely got to watch this movie before I listen to the episode. Still haven't listened to it yet. But I just feel like, yeah, I'm the type of person who, when something happens in the world, something like negative, I do like to watch movies that are related to it or, you know, show something like that. Like uh, when there was somewhat a big, like a bullet outbreak somewhere, I watched Ebola Syndrome because I was just curious to see some sort of depiction of that happening. You know, obviously though, that movie is just ridiculous in many ways, um, but I, you know, I watched it nonetheless. And so for that's what I've been doing somewhat with this uh, by watching 10 Cloverfield Lane. And there were definitely some moments in the movie where you feel, I really felt, I really felt it. You know, like a part when Howard says to not say like Monopoly games will take forever because he's saying, you know, don't make jokes. We don't know how long we'll be here. And similarly, when his rule is that you cannot touch each other, basically. No touching. And the air outside is contaminated. All these moments are like, yeah, those fit. Those fit like with where we are at right now in a way. One, we don't know how long it will be. And this is me speaking as someone who lives in the United States. Um, I know other countries have started to really beat back. Um, coronavirus outbreaks have really managed to do well to save many lives in the process. In the United States, the response is so mixed that almost all states still have increasing numbers. I think that's part of the problem as well. It's just, you know, every government, every state government, every local government is having to come up with their own rules because the federal government sort of controls us all is not laying down a very specific guideline or mandate in any way. Of course, there's also the political element. The idea of a virus has become a political statement. You should or should not wear masks, apparently, based on what? Nothing. But anyway, I would say if you're anywhere where this is a problem, I'd recommend you to wear masks, continue to wash your hands, and socially distance yourselves. Um, that's what I've been doing since mid-March. And um, this movie does bring that home in some ways. Obviously, this movie was made before there was this whole quarantine going on or this generalized pandemic of a respiratory infection. But it does feel similar in some regards because it's like, here are these people cooped up and they don't really know for how long they don't know the enemy, and you just kind of have to live with that. Obviously, in this movie, they don't live with that, but it kind of turns out somewhat for the best for Michelle to get out, but as opposed to real life where, yeah, you aren't supposed to touch, not because of a strange, abusive man named Howard telling you not to touch other people, but because you could inadvertently be, you know, by being close to someone else, infecting them or being infected yourself that is a very sad they have it a bit worse than you know real people do because in this case the bunker they are 100 stuck there they cannot leave basically um 
they're underground, there's no natural light, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like that's probably how a lot of people feel, even, you know, wherever they live when they've been sort of stuck at home because especially in California, which is a very sort of mobile culture, you feel so many people are always doing things. They're always going shopping, going, you know, to see friends, going to see movies, going to other forms of entertainment. You know, it's always happening. You're just moving. You're driving to work, whatever you're doing. It's just, it's going somewhere. It's not staying at home all the time for many, many people. And to have that all taken away is somewhat maddening. That isn't really depicted in this movie, though. Like, sort of the madness of being stuck in one place. Because I don't think they get to stay there long enough for that to happen. You know, they're playing with some silly games, you know, board games, solving puzzles, etc. But there's the overarching drama of what happened outside. And then also, what is Howard capable of? What has he already done? So they don't really get to focus on that. I feel like if this movie remained in the future, maybe it would focus more on that sort of psychological element of being trapped indoors or being unable to touch people. I feel there are already movies being made directly inspired by this whole thing that's going on in the world. Um, it'll be interesting if any of those are actually you know, able to capture the impact in a way that will stand the test of time, both you know, not just now, but in the future for future generations to understand anything of what it was like. Um, you know, I don't know. It's a very fortunate position that I'm in where I can work remotely. Um, you know, I can get basically anything I need delivered to me without needing to leave the house. Um, I'm a very fortunate person in this position. Um, but many people don't have that. So there's also the added massive psychological impact, the emotional impact, the health impact of not having money, of not having a job of trying to somehow scrounge your way up to continue to feed your family, to go out in the face of potentially life-threatening illness or an illness that will impact you for a long time, to go and get necessities. So I have a feeling movies that are going to come out in the future will, hopefully some will be able to display all of that anguish and anxiety in a really effective way. Um, to sort of memor remember this moment. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I just need to talk to somebody because I've been home since mid-March. I have gone out of the house like four times. I'm not even kidding. Um, I stopped going to the grocery store and get it delivered now. The only main other reason I went out a couple of times was go to the doctor unrelated to COVID, um, just regular stuff. And then one time I think I went to see my mom. But other than that, I have been home this whole time. I've gone outside in my backyard, in my front yard to take out the trash, but I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't seen the outside of this street in a good long while. And that is not fun. <laughs> it is not the worst thing that could happen. I'm healthy. I'm safe. I have entertainment. I have funds. But, you know, it does draw, it does drain on you. Regardless, even in the best circumstance, which I may be in. So all I can do is continue to, you know, work and watch movies and play video games and see this darn 10 Cloverfield Lane movie making me feel all impactful and emotional for some reason. As for the movie itself, I didn't super love it. I thought it was all right, but I don't know that I'd recommend it 
as a watch right now in quarantine. I would rather recommend the original Cloverfield. I think that's a better movie in general. And also just kind of, it's more cohesive and it doesn't have, even though technically in that movie, it's like 40 minutes before you see the monster. I don't think people freaked out about that or like got mad like that it didn't make sense as opposed to this movie where people see the end and are like, what? Aliens? Um, it does it does come a bit out of left field even though it doesn't make sense. So thank you for listening to me ramble on all of them witches. And hopefully next episode will be a bit more normal. I don't know. Um, but thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Stay safe and hopefully happy out there. We will be back in two weeks with another film.